You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Um, we're, in that, we're in that second season now, so uh, hopefully we have a lot more shows, right? Yeah. That's the goal. That is the goal. We're on uh, 18, and I said, uh, you know, for a while now, I'm like, let's get to at least 20. Yeah. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Someone was asking me that today, like, how many... Like, how long do you do the shows? And I was like, well, that is kind of not dependent on us. Right. <laughs> yeah, when we started this, I mean, this is our fifth season now. And when we started it the first year, I think we did, only did four. You know, we kind of were like, well, like we'll do it once a month. But as it went on, and people were interested in, in hearing the, uh, the the weekly games recapped. And this is really the first year we've done that, although I kind of planned to do it last year and then some uh, – non-show related things last happened year, last year was crazy and uh you know the, the the rain and the flooding kind of threw a wrench into that I, on like the second weekend of the season literally literally the last day of august last yeah. year and then weren't back until like the end of october that once was everything brutal. was taken care of so this is kind of a bounce back year and we've broadcasted a bulldog hour show every weekend at least once since the beginning of august wow we haven't missed so we're here with show 18 now of course that includes the show we did in uh february april and june and then really got things started like i said in august but you know we're obviously here for show 18 and we'll definitely be back next week for show 19 and, and hey, hopefully planning for show 20 right right oh, yeah, that's the goal and show 20 means that wilson will have played in the district championship game. Right, so so. Uh, we need to win this we'll Friday. See. We'll see. We'll take it one show at a time. One yeah. show at a time. One right? show at a time. <laughs> just like, you know, right now we're just thinking show 18, show 18, show 18 That's before right. we're focusing on show 19. And to get to show 19, the Bulldogs have to win this Friday, November 8th. It will be at Gursky, and the Bulldogs will be playing a familiar foe of late. Yeah. Uh, Harrisburg, the Cougars, will be coming to Gursky. They it's a rematch of the semifinal from last year. Yeah, identical to last year. And is it actually is it identical across the board? Um, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because uh, Central Dolphin or did Central Dolphin play Township in the quarters last year? I know uh, Eric Thomas, the, the Central Our Dolphin, sound's not on. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. 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 So. Is that fixed now? Are we, are we good? I think so. All right, cool. All right, awesome. So, <laughs> yes, we're back here for episode 18 of the show, talking about the Bulldogs' victory over Chambersburg and the pending game against the Harrisburg Cougars, which will be in the District 3 6A semifinals. It is a rematch of last year's game, where Harrisburg defeated Wilson. That was on Saturday in November up at Severance Field. So kind of flipping the script a little bit this year. Township and Central Dolphin are meeting the other semifinal. 
And that is a rematch of a playoff game from last year. And Eric Thomas, uh, the Central Dolphin radio guy, I believe said that this is the fourth straight year that the two teams have met in the playoffs and the regular season. Because Central Dolphin, Wilson, Manheim Township all play each other during the regular season and have done so for a long time. So uh, we're also at the point where this was to be expected. This is exactly what everyone thought it would be. It was chalk. Really, way back when Central Dolphins started to hit their stride, you know, they started the season one and two with losses to Wilson and Manheim Township. Then they started to win a few games, and then they won some big games against Harrisburg and yeah, State and College. Yeah, they they've won all of them since then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they won seven straight, finished eight and two. So playing technically the only team that is hotter than them in District Three, and that would be. Man, I'm Township. And only one of them can advance. So right. it's uh, it's kind of exactly what many expected, you know, halfway through the season. Back in week five, week six, people were like, there are four standout teams in District 3, 6A, and they are the exact four that are left standing. So, yeah, so here we go. It's going to play itself out over the next two weeks. We heard Coach Dom say after our interview last week that you know he thought that there were five teams that could win the district title and four of them were left standing. There weren't any upsets uh, during the playoffs last week. Almost, not quite. And uh, you know, here we are. Yeah. But to figure out how we got there, we have to see – the Wilson victory from this past Friday. So we're going to take a look at some highlights, the statistics, and all that good stuff. But first, we'll go through the, uh, the just the kind of the house cleaning stuff we like to do. I do want to mention, not directly related to the Bulldog Hour, but relationship to the Wilson football team. I want to thank uh, Weichel Realty Group for sponsoring the game live stream this past week. They paid the media rights fee that is owed to District Three to broadcast the game, which was done by Wilson Media Productions, which is awesome because they have, you know, a mobile command center and three HD cameras, but it wouldn't have been made possible without someone paying the District 3 fee, and Weichel Realty Group did that this past week. So thank thank them for uh, doing that so that many of you could watch the game from afar. I know a lot of you that can't make it to Gursky each week like to have the game streams, and during the year, uh, the school does a great job at the home games. I do the away games, and it doesn't really cost anyone anything. But once we get to the playoffs, District 3 says, not so fast, my friend. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we did have an anonymous donor step up, and they are going to allow me to stream the game this week. They're going to pay the semifinal fee, and I will be doing it from my iPad, so it won't be like the way it was this past week but the Wilson Media Productions will be setting up for the Veterans event. So yeah. that's a – and I think so, this is the 18th year that they're yeah, doing that's it. Crazy. So And that, that is a huge event, and a lot goes into that, but started, obviously an awesome, an awesome cause. So, yeah, it started back when we were in high school at Wilson. Yeah. So oh, I mean, going on for a while, it is a great event, great cause, and Wilson Media Productions is a, a big part of that. So they'll be busy getting ready for that next weekend so i will be taking care of the live stream uh for the game friday against harrisburg so besides weichel sponsoring the game feed last week our bulldog hour show sponsors again are may's sandwich shop topher's 10th and elm cafe two anonymous donors and 
Mr. Andy Herr, who had a phenomenal write-up for Eastern PA football this week after our victory over Chambersburg. And, uh, you know, send our condolences to him for his uh, collegiate football fandom Yeah, we were were texting each other yesterday, checking to see if we needed to check in. Yeah, was that today? It might have been this morning. It was yesterday. Welfare check. Yeah, do we need to send a check for Andy? Yeah. So hopefully he's enjoying his weekend uh, and uh, can put that in the past and and get ready for a little bit more high school football before he di- takes a deep dive into LL hoops because that's his uh, that's his bread and butter right there. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. And there's multiple ways that you can help us: sponsorship and advertising, donations, the website, and like Justin's favorite, spreading the word. Yeah, like and share. Uh, you know, whether it's you know. For example, we really liked Andy's uh, write up. You know, he does a he does a great job. But uh, I thought he did an awesome job this week, uh, write up of the game for Eastern PA Sports. So I try and I try and uh, share that out with people who I think may be interested. So that's how you spread the word. And if you like the show, um, you know, like and share. That just helps get the word out. Like I said at the beginning of the show, but you may not have been able to hear it. We'll be back for episode nineteen. On November 10th, one week from now. All right. So there's only a few weeks of the season left, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a win or go home time. But no matter what, we're, uh, we're at a maximum number of games left for Wilson at four. Yeah. So, so by, by the end of – well, actually um, – by this Friday, this Friday's game, the most it could be is another month. Right. right? Like so, Maximum. Yeah. Whew. It's crazy. comes at you fast. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking at the 2019 schedule soon enough, hopefully, and, you know, I don't know if it'll happen by the time we do our season wrap-up, because like Justin just said, it could be next weekend. It could be a month from now. We don't know. And hopefully it is a month from yeah. now. That'd be yeah. That'd be quite good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if not in time for the show in the next five weeks, sometime probably in February, like we did this past year, we'll have the kickoff for the Bulldog Hour six season. And on that show, we'll most likely debut the 2020 schedule. And the reason it's kind of up in the air is Wilson doesn't have a fourth game yet. Right. And, uh, I know there's, you know, obviously that's been going on behind the scenes. I've been working on that for a while. It's tough to do so during the season at times. A lot of people are very very busy. The coaching staff and athletic directors from schools that you're talking with, the season's winding down now. Hopefully that slot will be filled, but we just, we don't know who it's going right. to be. And and there are changes not only for the non-league schedule, but the league schedule as well, because the LL League, remember, is switching from three sections to four sections. Right. So Wilson's losing an opponent there. They have to find an additional non-league game. There right. will still be the crossover game, which I think we'll still be Mannheim Central, but I guess it could be Cocalico. Um, I See, I don't know what three seasons they're using to determine that. Are, you, are they using 19, 18, and 17? Because it's three years to determine the crossover game. It would make sense to use those, right? But that doesn't mean that's what they're using. Right. That, that's what I'm, I'm not confident on predicting who that's going to be because uh, there's a chance it could be Cocalico. See, that would be... That will be interesting in lots of ways, but, like, even the unintended ways of that, too. Like, for example, Mannheim Township and Mannheim Central scrimmage every year. Well, if that was the crossover game, I guarantee you they're not scrimmaging. Right. You know, like, it's just... (laughs) 
That, yeah, that yeah, would have it, to change. Right. So. Like just all those things. Um, it would it that would be interesting. And like you like you mentioned, we don't know exact. We don't know the details on that, but we just know well, and like how the mechanics of it are supposed to work. We don't know the details. Um, so we'll kind of have to wait and see there. But well, yeah, like, and I was just thinking about this, and this may be published somewhere, and someone listening may even know. But is it just league results? Is it season? Is it regular season results? Is it full season results? Right. See, I don't, and I don't know that it. I'm sure it's written down somewhere. Right. But like, I don't know that. Like, is it like published District somewhere? Three publishes lots of stuff on there. You just have to kind of do a deep you just dive have to and find it. Find it. LL league, like league places are less likely to have that kind of just put out there. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, it'll I, be interesting to follow. Oh, for sure. So, you know, Wilson's going to open the season with central dolphin. Most likely I would assume at central dolphin, as right. this has been an ongoing two year contract. So Wilson should open the season at central dolphin. The, the season actually is going to be shifted a week later this year because of the way the calendar right. falls. So, you know, this past year, the first game was on August 23rd. I think the first game next year is like August 28th or something something like that because it's a leap year next year. So you got all that going on. So dates can't, aren't shuffling just one day. But the first game of the year is right near at the end of August. It's at Central Dolphin. Next week, Wilson will host Mifflin Labor Day weekend. Then week three, Wilson is going to Exeter. That's uh-huh. a new game for the next two-year cycle. Week four is the game that's up in the air. We don't know what's going on in week four. I believe that's September 18th. And, uh, you know, there's... We'll have to wait and see how yeah, that works. There's a... Uh, Hope to have news for you when we start. Yeah, hopefully. Would would love to know what's going on there. And uh, I don't know, there might be some out-of-the-box thinking. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. But then week five will be the crossover game. Again, it'll either be Mannheim Central or Calico. And then finally, week six will be the start of the league schedule, and Wilson will be playing the likes of Mannheim Township, Hempfield, Penn Manor, McCaskey, and I believe Cedar Crest yeah. are the five teams. So bye bye Warwick. Yeah. No more Warwick. Oh, you're right. Warwick's gone. And unless they jump up to six A, which will be released in a couple weeks, right? Then it's if they're fi- if they're still five A and in section two. Although, if they're in Section 2, are they eligible to be a crossover game? Warwick. Yeah. I I guess so. I don't oh, know. Yeah, see, okay. See, this is, yeah, we need stuff published by the Lancaster Lebanon League, which I don't know when they're going to get around to doing that. I'm assuming they're going to wait until the new enrollment figures are out. Right. But, yeah, I guess Warwick would be eligible. But, see, that's the thing, like – now that they didn't play in section two, they played in section one. So how do you match them up? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Because they'll have been. They'll probably in that three-year cycle, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Warwick will probably been the third best section one team, right? Like yeah. easily, probably. I don't know. Yeah, sure, yeah. it would be even close. Hempfield probably four. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cedarcrest has only been up for two of those three years. Don't so how know. do like. Yeah, it's confusing. Who oh, knows? We'll wait, and Jeff Reinhardt will tell us. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of a just a quick early look at 2020 because I know people are have already asked me a bunch about the schedule next year. It's not decided yet because of a whole variety of things. 
as soon as the classifications come out, which will be in within the next month, could be in the next two weeks even, things will probably start to snowball and, and by the holidays and, and obviously the start of 2020, a lot more will have come into focus and be clear. So anyways, let's get back to the present and recap the game against Chambersburg, which didn't start out great. Uh, no, definitely uh, not the start we were looking for. Um, you know, I I kind of was joking at the end, end of the uh, Warwick game, you know, when that came down to literally the last play. And, you know, I was walking around just being like, never a doubt, never a doubt. And, you know, people just kind of laugh. Um, well, I'll be honest, there, there were certainly, you know, I was starting to wonder, Oh boy, what did we get ourselves into here yeah. at the beginning of that game? Um, but they were able to get right and get right kind of in a hurry, like almost on the on like the flip. You know, there was there was a single play where it appeared as though things changed. You know, and pretty much from that point, everything did change. Now there are obviously things leading up to that. You know, where you had some close calls here and there just some things didn't go your way, but man, like the way it seemed like they flipped a switch. I'm not saying that the switch was off before. Cause like, but at least from a result standpoint, right. it looked like they weren't um, just weren't firing on all cylinders. It's not that they weren't fired up. It's not that they weren't prepared. It's not that they weren't, you know, taking them. It was none of those things, you know, it's just little things here and there. Chambersburg was getting, everything early on Wilson was not and then one play kind of changed the game it will change the momentum of the game and therefore Wilson never gave it back man they seized it when they got it and did exactly what you would want them to do when they had those opportunities yeah the most important thing is that they didn't panic no they didn't go away think, from what they wanted to do they made a few tweaks I think Caleb mentioned that in uh, uh, Mike Drago's article in the Reading Eagle about how they didn't you know, he's like, yeah, you know, 13 nothing is not great, but he's like, our coaches, like, we're calm and we're confident and that the players, therefore, take that on too and are calm and confident and it's just, yeah, we're good. And then they started executing and, yeah, the rest is history. It's, I mean, it's a tale of two halves, but really, w Wilson dominated the game from midway through the second yeah, i'd say like like if i had to pick i'd say probably like 18 minutes the first 18 minutes the first quarter went extremely fast it went super fast first quarter was over at 722 yeah it went i mean it's 12 minutes it it took tw about 20 minutes to go an yeah. entire qu quarter which is blazing fast right I, I yeah it shocked me and then being down 30 nothing at the end of that quarter i was just like oh man like right this isn't great. And the the beginning of the second quarter, you know, there was no more damage done, but Wilson couldn't chip away. And then it, the funny thing is, and I don't know if this is the play that you're talking about, is it was a Wilson mistake to me that ended up changing the course of the game. Because to me, that when the momentum changed was right after Avanti's fumble. Okay. Which is hilarious to right. me because you know you're thinking, oh no, there's a Wilson mistake, See, and and then Chambersburg and we talked about I right. talked about this we immediately did. with we, a few of the yeah. coaches and players yeah. on the sideline, and then we talked about it after yeah. the game. They get the ball after a fumble, 
they take a, a shot, not a deep shot, but you know, they wanted to get, you know, 15 yards. It was an, an out pattern and covered. Wasn't a great throw. It was covered. But then instead of going back to their ground game, which had been working dynamic in the first quarter and, and the beginning of the second, they were picking up four to six yards of carry. They immediately threw two more passes were incomplete. No. They had to punt. And next thing you know, Wilson's scoring. Right. Um, or eventually, I guess it wasn't the next one because then it was a stri- the strip right. sack. See, that's the that's one the where I you're talking about. That's the one about. I'm thinking of. But yes, you, you're you're right though. Like, and we talked about that afterward. It was odd. It was it seemed odd. Um, maybe because the quarter had changed and they were now going with the wind. They were like trying to take advantage of something they didn't have in the first quarter. There could be. I'm just trying to think of why they would go away from what what worked. Um, it's not the first time we've had that all year. Been on the benefiting part of oh, yeah, going away just from some something head that worked. Scratching we, offensive we, we calls. Will, we will take it. Um, yeah. And and yeah, like our guys rose to the challenge. You know, like and guys made some plays. Honestly, when that ball was loose and I saw Cappy was going for it. I'm like, if he gets out on the run, they're not catching him. Yeah. Now like he had the bend down and the right, chest right. and there was guys it, on right. him quickly. Yeah, there were guys right there. But, but I'm like, there's nobody in their backfield that's gonna catch him if he ca- if he gets that on the dead run. Right. Um, yeah. So following that 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 will the ensuing Wilson punt after that three and out from the Chamberberg offense, the Trojans took over and then we yeah. saw Agent Santana strip sack Ray yeah. Stumbaugh picked up by Capitano. He takes it a little bit, gets tackled, but I believe it was the next it play. It was the very next that play. Caleb Brown uh, like, connects with Brady Gill over the middle. Was, in my opinion, and again, I, when it comes to like play calling and tendencies and all that, like that is not my expertise. You know, I, I'm certainly just a layman in those in those regards. However, that was a perfect play call. Like um, it was very nicely there executed. Were a couple things you know going on and they just they're able to execute perfectly um you know it was a long developing play too right and it was spinning you know like just we had seized momentum and you know if we score here like but it wasn't just like a score it was just like two plays immediate two plays you know they're gonna punt with the wind they already had a good punt earlier you know there, you know, you just look at it, and then next thing you know, boom, you know it's it's thirteen yeah. seven now. Well, we're, we're we'll we are describing it. Let's take a look <laughs> at it because that you know video video is good. I mean, the video usually isn't good because of who's recording it, but like we can take a look at it anyways. You're never gonna live it down. Never gonna live it down. So let's start off at the beginning with a. 37-yard run on Wilson's first possession. This is Mason Leonard. A little bit of a changeup. I don't know if it was by design or if they wanted to give Avante a break, but uh, Mason Leonard uh, started the game at running back there. He picked up the big 37 yards, but then... Uh, this play also helps set the tone, right? Right. Because... And this is quarterback Caleb Brown making a oh, big... Oh, that's not the one I was thinking of, but there run are some. ...to the 50. Now, that drive would end, but here is the fumble recovery. Yep. There is the strip sack by Adrian, picked up by Ethan Capitano, taken down inside the 25, and here, oh, they're not going to show it to us? All right, I'll have to find it. I don't know who decides these game recaps. It's just like an automated system. But here's one of Avante's run on the evening, Uh, a a big run by him. We heard from him a lot in the second half. Oh, and good, he's going to pause. It's just like, (sighs) not great, Huddle, not great. (laughs) 
But yeah, like, um, yeah, when, once things got moving in Wilson's favor, they really just kind of were able to really capitalize. Right. So it, it, it was, it was good to see it, you know, like we said, it wasn't the start we wanted, but it definitely got things going then. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they just, did they show any of the touchdowns? Like this is autumn. If this is an automated thing, it did not do a good job. <laughs> so we're going to, I'm going to have to go through and this see if I like can the find them. This is like the last Yeah. The last real play of the game. And this is Gavin Leonard right. going down the sideline. I, I said to him after the game, I was just like, you're just not fast enough. Can't. <laughs> He's like, I made a few guys miss. I was like, well, not enough. So, um, yeah. So Wilson ended up, you know, pulling away. It was a, actually a pretty dominant fashion for two and a half quarters. It's just the first quarter and a half wasn't the best, but you know, sometimes that happens. Well, like you said it, it was really important that they, they didn't panic. They, they did the things they needed to do. So, um, while not the ideal start, the great response, you know, um, and you could see kind of later on that like Chambersburg started to feel it too, yeah. you know, but don't forget that, like, when they came out, it was 13, 13 and a half. So it wasn't like Wilson went on this huge run, but it was 13, 13 and a half. And then next thing you know, um, Wilson reels off 28 straight, well, and essentially 41 straight, but 28 in the third quarter. Right. And it's 41, 13. Um, yeah, a guy I know was saying he was listening to the radio because he, I think he was working, but he heard on the radio even though they were doing the Wiser Fleetwood game, he, they broke in and were like, you know, just an update from Wilson, a little bit of a surprise, they're down 13 nothing. And he's like, oh, man, you know, that's kind of crazy. He's like, maybe I'll try and go up and, and catch the rest of the game. Before he got up there, or like as he's leaving his house, like in West Lawn, they're like, oh, you know, Wilson is now tied as 13, 13 and a half. By the time he got there and he said to a point where he could see the scoreboard, it was 41-13. He's like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> all right i pulled up this is the touchdown pass that we described earlier this is the first touchdown this is immediately after the santana strip sack the capitano fumble recovery this is the first play after that and you can see it's a really nice play really nice double fake and uh brady gibble gets in for the touchdown sideline goes crazy very good and here's the other angle angle from the end zone you're gonna see the same the same thing um is this slowed down does it look like it's going in slow it motion is. it is slow <laughs> <laughs> love it gotta love it but we get to see it you know yep so caleb takes a snap fakes to avante fakes to mason he kind of hides it behind his mm -hmm. back beautiful beautiful fake play action play and brady gibble's wide open for yep. the score so very very good play call excellent execution by the team and you know that was uh that was the the very beginning of the turning point it was like you right. said uh that that strip sack really changed things uh completely and uh since we didn't see them before let's see if we can watch a few of wilson's other touchdowns and uh this is going to be Caleb's rushing touchdown right before halftime. I believe he gets in with about 19 seconds left in the half. And uh, the extra point would be missed. So that's how you get the 13-13 tie. So Caleb all to these, Brady. Now, yeah, all the end zone views are like slowed down. And then Caleb takes it in right before half. Really great patience from Caleb there. 
waiting for his pulling tackle, Sal Puglisi, to come around and set up those blocks. And, uh, yeah, so 13-13 at halftime. So good all around. And then, man, you know, they executed all the adjustments that were made at halftime were perfectly executed in the second half. I mean, they took that opening kickoff. It was a, it was a nice return. And within three plays, they, they were able to score. And I mean, they, they said they're like, if we can block one guy on the Chambersburg defensive line, we are going to have a good second half. And that's exactly what happened. It took three plays for them to score, and that's essentially what happened the rest of the evening. Right. So uh, kudos to the coaching staff for knowing exactly what they needed to do and then for the players executing what they were told, and that's how a 13-13 game becomes 41-13, and heck, that's how a 13-0 game sees 41 unanswered points by the top seed. And I saw one of the articles, it may have been Andy, say, and that's why Wilson's the top seed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, it it was it was impressive. The response was really impressive. Um, you know, and you you could see it in some other games too. But like, uh, good teams are going to find a way to win. You know, and when you do that in the regular season, it can lead to a, you know your wins start to add up, and and that's great. When you start to do that in the postseason, that's how you start to get beyond successful years. You know, like right. um, you know w- winning. Winning games that uh, not everything goes your way, finding ways to win, finding ways to overcome the adversity, not getting too high, not getting too low, just kind of maintaining your composure and, and then coming back to your game. You know, right. um, they didn't get sucked in to, you know, a desperation mode or anything like mm-hmm. that. They they kept with what was working. And yeah, I, w- I was really impressed um, yeah, with how things, how things turned on a dime and how just kind of all over the place because not just that, but you gave up 13 points. Was it their first two possessions they scored Chambersburg? Uh, yeah. Right. That's why I said. And then they didn't, they didn't sniff the end zone again. The rest no, of the, like, no. uh, to be honest, I don't know. I'm not sure if they got inside the 40 after that. I, yeah. Without, I think like near midfield, they were probably close a couple of times, but like, I don't, I don't know that. Well, I said, I think we, towards the end they got close, but then we held them. But like, I don't know that they were ever a threat to score again. As we watch a few more of the, the touchdowns from Friday night, you know, I said it was just super odd feeling at the beginning. When was Wilson down this much during the season? Yeah. It didn't happen in the first half. We were talking ever, about it, right? Ever. Wilson was never down two scores in the first half. Um, it... <laughs> Yeah, it's just it was super weird. And then on top of that, not only were they down two scores in the first half, they were down two scores in the first quarter, and it was the first two Wilson defensive possessions that right. you know the opponent scored. And when was the last time that's happened? Like you just that's not something that you see happen to Wilson. But as soon as they made some adjustments, like you said, what else did Chambers really do the rest of the night? They're they're great running back. Uh, Keyshawn Jones, mm-hmm. he had one run for the 53 yard touchdown. I believe he had 27 rushing yards the rest of the game, like, and that's total. That includes the early series, right. too. So, I think if you take away 
the first two series, I think he had like 12 yards the rest That's of the game. That's what I was thinking. Like, what they end with like 250-some yards, something like that. And um, probably 100-plus of those were on the first yeah, two drives. Yeah, like half were probably in the first couple drives. So, um, Yeah, it's uh, so it was a uh, – it ended up being a pretty dominant performance from the Bulldogs after they settled down at, following that first quarter. And they took care of business. And look, and the, the first quarter is just proof that like they they were a threat. They oh, had yeah. good components. They were a solid team. They fought hard in the mid pen. They are not your typical eight seed, but then Wilson took over the game and it was great, great to see. Really great to see. I did enjoy the um post game talk from Coach Doms about the uh the mid pen writers picking Chambersburg to beat Wilson. Uh, that was uh, that was fun to see that image plastered all over the locker room. I mean, legitimate, uh, you know, it's a stereotype, but it really was bulletin board material to have right. have writers you know. pick against you as the number number right. one seed. Yeah, but so. you know, it was one of those things where you know we we knew coming in that they were, you know, they were going to be quite capable you look at the results from against good teams that they played this year and it was no surprise it was a little bit surprising how they kind of just jumped out on us but yeah they they were ready to go for sure so let's hear some of those statistics from the victory over chambersburg 41 to 13 friday night first downs the bulldogs led the way 22 to 13 they rushed 43 times for 366 yards. Chambersburg, 27 times for 121. And again, one of those went for 53 on the first series of the game. Passing yards, Chambersburg, 125 to Wilson's, 101. And uh, total offense, 246 for Chambersburg, 467 for Wilson. Penalties. Wilson only had two on the night, which was a good, good thing, good yeah. sign. Keep those low. Uh, Chambersburg was flagged nine times for eighty-one, and one of them was huge yeah. to help Wilson's second drive continue. Uh, I believe it was following one of Wilson's penalties, a hold yeah. set them back pretty far, and then an unsportsmanlike penalty uh, set Wilson up for a much easier. Uh, was it third and short or second or third and oh, short? I think instead of like third and like 17, it became like, like third, third and two, two or, or something. something. Yeah, something, something very close lines. to that. Um, possession time, very much even. 24-16, Chambersburg, 23-44 for the Bulldogs. Wilson was four of seven on third downs. The Trojans, five of 11. Neither team converted on fourth down chances. And when they were in the red zone, Chambersburg was perfect one of one. Wilson was just... Five of seven. Uh, late in the game, Wilson opted to go for it uh, instead of a, a field goal. They didn't get it. That was one of the stops. And, and then, then we knelt down. And then the, the, the other non-conversion was the kneel at the end of the game. So overall, pretty good pretty good game. Some individual statistics of note. You know, we said that Keyshawn Jones from Chambersburg uh, had that big 53-yard rush. Take that one away. He only had 30 yards. And like I said, not many of those came after the first quarter. So Bulldogs defense definitely uh, 
hungered down and uh, performed really, really well in the second through fourth quarters. On the Wilson side, quarterback Caleb Brown was actually the leading rusher this week for the Bulldogs. He had 13 carries for 137 yards and a touchdown, the long of 29, which I believe we saw in the highlights. Senior Avante Lockhart was next with 17 carries for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Mason and Gavin Gavin Leonard chipped in as well. Mason 73 yards, excuse me, 72 yards and a touchdown. Gavin 50 yards rushing. Passing was all Caleb for the Bulldogs. Nine of 12, 101 yards, two touchdowns, and he was not sacked at all. The leading receiver was your running back, Avante Lockhart, in terms of receptions. He had three for 29 and a touchdown. Brady Gibble got him in yardage, though. He had two receptions for 40 yards and the score that we saw. And Matt Fry also had two catches for 31 yards, including one big conversion for the Bulldogs on the evening. Defensively speaking, let's take a look at the leader. This week was Nate Hoekstra with 10 tackles, including... A uh, big one on third and short yeah. to set up a fourth down at midfield, which the Bulldogs would swarm to the ball. I believe it was led by Adam Benino, according to uh, uh, Wayne Sear. He was the leader of the fourth down stop, which, again, was another big part of Wilson's second quarter uh, comeback. Avante Lockhart was next with six tackles, two of them for loss. Troy Corson matched that with six tackles as well. He also... Excuse me. Uh, the Bulldogs also had an interception on the evening from Mason Leonard and two fumble recoveries by Anthony Coper and the one we saw from Ethan Capitano. And Adrian Santana had this strip sack. So, again, some nice individual performances. Player of the game this week, though, I feel like it was down to two individuals and it could have gone to either of them and... I don't really know if I have a reasoning behind the one that we went with, but I, I think it's because of the way he responded after you know something happened that he was pretty upset about, <laughs> and and I kind of already talked about it, but it changed the game. Yeah, like that. That's that like three series there from the Wilson fumble, Chambersburg stalls, Wilson stalls. Chambersburg strip sack. There's like the four possessions there from the fumble to the strip sack that just changed the course of the game. But since the Wilson mistake, everything snowballed. And uh, his performance on the evening leads Avanti to getting our player of the game again. Just a hair in front of Caleb because Caleb played phenomenal. I had a couple people say uh, how impressed they were with him during the Chambersburg game. A couple of his runs, he he looked like... The style of Avanti, like where, yeah, particularly the one where he hit the, the DB and yeah. the DB's helmet came off. <laughs> right, but right, I, yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah. That, that was an interesting. They just weren't going to bring him down, which was <laughs> awesome. But like that just reminded me of many runs that we've seen Avanti run this year. Right. So Avanti Lockhart does get the nod. Seventeen rushes, one hundred thirteen yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Three catches, twenty nine yards, and the score through the air. And then six total tackles, two for loss on defense. And I did mention on Twitter that he's, I believe, one hundred and sixteen yards shy of a thousand for the season. He has eighteen rushing touchdowns on the year, and he's also the leader in like three of the four main defensive categories for the team. So, if you're looking for a guy. That is probably the individual MVP, and judging by the number of player of the games he's gotten for us, uh, Avante Lockhart is that guy for the Bulldogs. 
and uh, he showed it again Friday night against Chambersburg. And they're going to need... one of need... the key things when you tweeted that out, you mentioned like every one of those y- 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 yards was earned. Right. And I'm like, yeah, he's had a lot of tough running this year, but man, he's come up big in, at those big times. And and he was one of the big highlights against in the playoff loss to Harrisburg last year. Right. They, at times, didn't look like Harrisburg wanted to take him on. Right. Like he, when they got him going, that's when Wilson had a ton of success. So I would say that that's probably a good idea to do this year too. Yeah. Friday night is we'll as, as Avante, as that running game goes, as the offensive line controls the game and allows Avante to do his thing, you know, if they can give him three to five yards, he'll get another five after that. Mm-hmm. Like he will, he will uh, pick up that first down. So give him a hole and let Avante do his job and then throw in a change of pace with Mason or Jaden. And, uh, you know, you have this, the recipe for success and getting back to a district championship game for the first time since 2016. Yeah. All right. So we didn't conduct any interviews. I know apologies to Andy. He said he was going to revoke his, uh, his sponsorship since we weren't uh, talking to anyone and giving him all the content that he needs. But he was um, there to get the interviews. Right. Yeah. I was like, we're just going to let you handle that. And, uh, and he certainly did so writing, a. A, a very good write-up for easternpafootball.com. But the Bulldogs do have a game this Friday against the Harrisburg Cougars coming in ranked four, a 7-3 and three season. Uh, two of those losses counted in the district formula. One of them was to Archbishop Hoban, which is a huge uh, nationally ranked team, which I believe they're up in the top 50 now nationally. Yeah. So very strong team. Yeah. That was one of Harrisburg's losses. The other two was the controversial one at home, yeah. To Central Dolphin, yeah. and then they also lost to State College, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. So you look at it though, man, right? So really, um, when you when you look at their losses, that Central Dolphin one, it's not guaranteed they would have won, but there's certainly what ifs. It's not like they were at like right. would have had a chance for a hail mary. They would have had a chance from the two yard two line, yard line, right? You know, like. Um, and if you don't remember or weren't here for that part when we talked about that during the season, um, there was a clock malfunction, as in the scoreboard turned off. Right, completely um, gone. And they just called the game uh, when Harrisburg should have had another play. Um, but, you know, that's that's in the past now. Um, when, when you look at it, you know, Looking at what Harrisburg did yesterday to Central York, um, they were able to kind of get things going on the ground. Um, you know, I saw some highlight style plays um, of guys who looked like they were down and just kept running and were running right through Central York. Right. Um, is it Jameer Plant? Yep. Um, well, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. So just some of some of, they've got playmakers. Um, they can make dynamic plays. You, you better you better come ready to play like the, you we've talked about this throughout the year. Like sometimes, you know, the things that happen, you know, in some games you can overcome, for example, like a 13 0 deficit, you know, to Chambersburg is one thing. Uh, you don't want to have that same start against Harrisburg. Um, you know, you, you gotta be ready from the start and, and, and make sure you're ready to go. And Harrisburg was ready from the start. They went to Coatesville in week one, 
and won after, you know, you would yeah. expected the Red Raiders to be ready for that one after being upset by Harrisburg in the state semis yeah. last year. Coatesville falls to Harrisburg at home, 14-6. to Then Harrisburg went to Archbishop Hoban in Akron, Ohio, and lost that game 42-12. to Again, one of the top 50 schools in the nation this year, Archbishop Hoban. Does not count in the District 3 power ratings, though. Uh, Harrisburg stayed on the road. They did not have a home game until September 21st. They went to Cedar Cliff, won that one easy, 41-7. to Played in Harrisburg, but at Central Dolphin East, where they would shut out the Panthers 35 to nothing. Finally, at home against Cumberland Valley, they beat 37 to 10. Then hosted Central Dolphin, and we just mentioned they lost that one in controversial fashion, 15 to 14. Went on the road once again to State College now and lost 21 to 6. So back to back losses. And then they got a scare from Chambersburg at Severance Field on October 12th. They held on to win that one 27-25 and then just obliterated Carlisle 62-0 on the road and then finished at home against Altoona on October 26, which they won 66-14. And then just yesterday afternoon, they beat the number five seed, Central York, who was 9-1 in the York Adams League. Well, they beat them 47-14 and it wasn't even and that close. I was going to say, and it wasn't that close. So... Here we are, November 8th, at Gursky against Wilson. And, you know, Justin already mentioned one of their big players, um, and that's the running back, Plant. But we can't forget the receiver, Dante Kent. And, uh, you know, they, they they had a two-quarterback system, but the, they have mostly settled on one guy. Right. And uh, he's been very strong this year. Had, had a great game yesterday. Uh, they have a very big line, offense and defensively speaking. Um, some Division One. One of there. them committed to Penn State, uh, Bruce. Um, you know, it it's going to be a challenge. You know, yeah. it was a it was a challenge last year, and Wilson, hey, got off to a very slow start. Not much different than what happened this past Friday night, but you know, Harrisburg's just on a different level than Chambersburg is. Oh yeah, so. If oh, you yeah. do that again, you're going to be playing from behind, and I'm not sure you're going to be able to stop them on every well, drive. No, it, <laughs> it, yeah, if you fall behind, you're you're going to find yourself more likely than not in a spot like last year where you can work and work and work, but there's no room for air then. You know what I mean? Like there is, you know, they fell last year, they fell behind early and then played well for the majority of the rest of the game, but just couldn't overcome that slow start well you know we look last week against chambersburg they started slow but they were able to overcome that and just kind of steamroll them um you're even if you get things going against harrisburg you're, you're not that's not really going to be what happens you right. know like that that's not in the cards here um so it's just important that you get out to a, a strong start and you you play four quarters like you're capable of and and then you'll kind of see where where you're at um because it if you if you want a positive outcome on friday night you're it's going to take four quarters against harrisburg oh absolutely yeah this isn't going to be um an easy feat by any stretch of the imagination it's going to be tough going the entire evening and i don't know do you think it's going to be an offensive showcase i don't think that would fit into wilson's game plan i you know i think it's uh something that they want to 
keep close. They want to feature a running game. And I don't know. I I honestly don't know. Uh, we haven't had really many like shootout style games. Um, we've had games where we put up a lot of points. But the other but, team was lagging behind. Right. So like you said, I, I think, you know, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know. I I don't know what to expect. It'll, <laughs> it, it'll be an interesting one. It should be a great game. Um, so you know, find your way to Gursky on Friday night. But um, again, I'm glad we have them here on Friday night instead of there on yeah, Saturday. We don't. I have mean, to go. I know they are they are used to that because every time they have a home game followed by a road game, right? They're it, playing. Yeah, on, I don't think it's you know, any. Right, there's no relevance there. It's not really there. a short week for them. They'll be fine. Right. Um, but I like for us that we've played on Friday nights every night or every week. We get to play on Friday night again. Um, it, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm interested to see because what we saw in the second and third quarters against Chambersburg. That, that third quarter was the best quarter of football I've seen us play all year. Yeah, the, the only um, thing that I think would come close to it is a majority of the Mifflin game. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're right. Um, and I think what distorts that in my mind was that just was like so dumb. Like, I didn't see from Mifflin against us what I saw from Chambersburg in the first right. quarter. No, like, Chambersburg punched us in the mouth, whereas right. Mifflin didn't do much at all the entire game. Right. And so that's where it was I think, never in doubt. Right. Whereas, I think in my head, that's where I like, I just equate them uh, or don't equate them, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think we want to get into like a straight up shootout. I don't think anybody wants that, no. but, um, but at the same time, it's going to take point. You know, I don't think we're going to. Well, I mean, I don't think we're looking at like a 10 7 game. Right. I don't no. think that's an option. Generally there. speaking, you know, pretty good success rate when Wilson holds an opponent to about 20 points or fewer. Yeah. Uh, you get above that threshold, things get a little bit dicier. So if Wilson can hold Harrisburg to three touchdowns or less, you know, I think. W- I think we've got a pretty good shot. shot. I don't want to say that it's all on the defense. I'm just saying, statistically speaking. Right. When you just look at the over. It's much easier to compare how many points you give up than how many points you score. Like, is there a threshold where you can guarantee a win? Well, obviously, yeah. If you score 47 points, you probably expect to win that game. Right. But, you know, I think uh, if, if Wilson can hold the Cougars to 20 to 24 points, I think that's. You know, that's it's reasonable. That's doable. That gives it's reasonable, us a shot, right. right? And uh, it's I think it's a great opportunity because uh, you know the other game is going to be a slugfest as well, and right. the two teams that emerge are going to have earned it. And then depending on who wins, will depend on where the uh, first non-Hershey, non-neutral District Three championship game will be. Yeah. So, well, I mean, technically speaking, because last year was kind of a mess because of the snow right. that happened right. in November that changed a lot. Yeah. Um, but- yeah, we'll see. It should be exciting. Um, I'm hoping that the Bulldogs can carry over some of that momentum because, like I said, they were playing with a fire in the second half of that second quarter and then the third quarter that I don't want to say I haven't seen because I've certainly seen they it. They just didn't need like, it a lot this year. Right. They sustained it over that 18 minutes. And then, again, it, it, in the fourth quarter, didn't need it at that point. No. But, like – yeah, they just had it going at a level that to see it there, you know, we saw it for a few minutes at Springford, 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when we had just that burst and just, you know, that blitz and next thing you know, it's 21-3, you know? Yeah. But that was only a few minutes. Now, they got the job done in those few minutes. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're going to need more than just that 18-minute burst against Harrisburg. So, you're I, gonna, I hope they yeah, can keep you're that gonna going. you're going to need We're looking full for 48. 48. Right, yeah. You're going to need that full 48. So, and And we've been saying this all year as well. Whoever comes out of District 3 can and will go toe-to-toe with the D- District 1 champ, be it one of the Downingtowns, Coatesville, you know, whoever it ends up being. Right. I would think it'd be one of those three, but... It could be one, one of the CB... CB West was good, right? CB West yeah. was 9-1. and one. I, I don't recall if they won Yeah, I, I didn't follow um, up on that. So, yes. I know Springford and CB South lost. Right. I don't know if CB West won. Who was... I think their other wasn't that CB South or Springford's other loss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Downingtown East, Downingtown West, and Coatesville are probably the three favorites. Um, Coatesville's had a D1. weird year with some injuries and things like that. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. But two more weeks of District 3 play before worrying about, um, you know, the, the state semifinal, which will be D3 yeah. versus D1. So come out to Gursky Friday night, watch the Bulldogs again. In the playoffs, District 3 semifinals hosting the fourth-seeded Harrisburg Cougars, a rematch of the game from last year. We also played Harrisburg in the 2015 playoffs, uh, won that game, and I believe that was the quarterfinals. That was back when 16 teams made it. So there was a first-round quarter semis championship. Uh, Wilson beat Harrisburg in 2015. Wilson also beat Harrisburg for the district championship in 2012. So... I know there's also another playoff game in 2007 that no one wants to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll just leave that yeah, one out. Yeah, we'll leave that one to the side. Uh, I believe actually Harrisburg won the district championship that year then. Yeah. So it was a so. springboard for big things for Wilson in 2008. Right. So, All right, do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. It, it should be a good game. It uh, should, be, should be exciting. Um, come on out on Friday. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we'll see you all at Gursky this Friday. Thanks for tuning in for – the 18th episode of the Bulldog Hours fifth season. And I think that wraps it up. So thanks for joining us for uh, the entire Wilson football team. He's Justin Raffoff. I'm Joe Mays. And until next time, remember, go Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.